0: Good evening, welcome to tonight's readings Before we get into it, I'd like to say thank you for listening And I'd also like to know if you're enjoying listening to these stories You can let me know by subscribing or liking the episode I'd love to hear from you In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and get started on tonight's reading. Tonight's readings are going to continue from The Awkward Age by Henry James. Tonight, we're starting with Chapter 3, Mr. Longdon is the name of the chapter. If Mitchy arrived, exactly at the hour, it was quite by design and on a calculation, over and above the prized little pleasure it might give him, of ten minutes clear with his host, whom it rarely befell him to see alone. He had... A theory of something special to go into, of a plummet to sink or a feeler to put forth. His state of mind, in short, was diplomatic and anxious. But his hopes had a drop as he crossed the threshold. His precaution had only assured him the company of a stranger, for the person in the room to whom the servant announced him was not old Van. On the other hand, this gentleman would clearly be old. What was it? The fellow Vanderbank had made it a matter of such importance he should really know. But were they then simply to have a tea together? No. The candidate for Mr. Mitchett's acquaintance, as if quickly guessing his apprehension, mentioned on the spot that their entertainer would be with them. He had just come home in a hurry, fearing he was late, and then... ...had rushed off to make a change. "'Fortunately,' said the speaker, who offered his explanation, as if he had it on his mind. "'Fortunately, the ladies haven't come yet.' "'Oh, there are to be ladies?' Mr. Mitchet was all response. "'His fellow guest, who was shy and apparently nervous.' Sidled about a little, swinging an eyeglass, yet glancing in a manner a trifle birdlike from object to object. Mrs. Edward Brockenham, I think. Oh, mitchy himself felt as soon as this comment had quitted his lips that it might sound even to a stranger like a sign, such as the votaries of Mrs. Edward Brookenham had fallen into the way of constantly throwing off, that he recognised her hand in the matter. There was, however, something in his entertainer's face that somehow encouraged frankness. It had the sociability of surprise. It hadn't the chill. Mitchy saw at the same time that his friend of old Van's would never really understand him, though that was a thing he at times liked people as much for as he liked them little for it at others. It was, in fact, when he most liked that he was on the whole most tempted to mystify. Only Mrs. Brooke, no others. Mrs. Brooke, his elder echoed, staring an instant, as if literally missing the connection, but quickly after, to show he was not stupid. And indeed, it seemed to show he was delightful. "'smiling with extravagant intelligence. "'Is that the right thing to say?' "'Mitchy gave the kindest of laughs. "'Well, I dare say I oughtn't to. "'Oh, I didn't mean to correct you. "'His interlocutor hastened to profess. "'I mean, on the contrary, will it be right for me to?' Mitchy's great goggle attentively fixed him. Try it. To her? To everyone? To her husband? Oh, to Edward. Mitchy laughed again. Perfectly. And I must call him Edward. Whatever you do will be right, Mitchy returned, even though it should happen to be sometimes what I do. His companion, as if to look at him with a true appreciation of this, stopped swinging the nippers and put them on. You people here have a pleasant way. Oh, we have, Mitchy, taking him up, was gaily emphatic. He began, however, already to perceive the mystification, which in this case was to be his happy effect. Mr. Vanderbank, his victim, remarked with perhaps a shade more of reserve, has told me a great deal about you. Then, as if, in a finer manner, to keep the talk off themselves, he knows a great many ladies. Oh yes, poor chap, he can't help it. He finds a lady wherever he turns. The stranger took this in, but seemed a little to challenge it. Well, that's reassuring. If one sometimes fancies, there are fewer. Fewer than there used to be. I see what you mean, said Mitchy. But if it has struck you so, that's awfully interesting. He glared and grinned and mused. I wonder. Well, we shall see. His friend seemed to not dogmatize. Shall we? Mitchy considered it again in its high suggestive light. You will, but how shall I? Then he caught himself up with a blush. What a beastly thing to say as if it were mere years that make you see it. His companion, this time, gave way to the joke, what else can it be, if I've thought so? Why, it's the facts themselves, and the fine taste, and above all, something, an approach to some experience of what a lady is, The young man's acute reflection appeared suddenly to flower into a vision of opportunity that swept everything else away. Excuse my insisting on your time of life, but have you seen some? The question was of such interest that he had already begun to follow it. Oh, the charm of talk with someone who can fill out one's ideas of the really distinguished women of the past. If I could get you, he continued, to be so awfully valuable as to fill out mine. His fellow visitor on this made, in a pause, a nearer approach to taking visibly his measure. Are you sure you've got an idea, Mr. Mitchett brightly thought, No, that must be why I appeal to you, and it can't therefore be for confirmation, can it? He went on, it must be for the beautiful primary hint altogether. His interlocutor began, with a shake of the eyeglass, to shift and sidle again, as if distinctly excited by the subject. But it was as if his very excitement made the poor gentleman a trifle coy. Are there no nice ones now? Oh yes, there must be lots. In fact, I know quantities. This had the effect of pulling the stranger up. Ah, uh, quantities, there it is. Yes, said Mitchy. Fancy the lady in her millions. Have you come up to London, wondering, as you must, about what's happening? Form Vanderbank mentioned, I think that you have come up in pursuit of her. Ah, laughed the subject of Vanderbank's information. I'm afraid pursuit with me is over. Why, you're at the age, Mitchy returned, of the most exquisite form of it. Observation. Yes, it's a form. I seem to see that you've not waited for my age to cultivate. This was followed by a decisive handshake. I'm not an observer. I'm a hater. That only means, Mitchie explained, that you keep your observation for your likes, which is more admirable than prudent but between my fear in the one direction and my desire in the other, he lightly added. I scarcely know how to present myself. I must study the ground. Meanwhile, has Old Van told you much about me? Old Van's possible confidant, instead of immediately answering, again assumed the pince-nez, is that what you call him? In general, I think, for shortness. And also, the speaker hesitated, for self-esteem. Mitchy laughed out, for veneration. Our disrespects, I think, are all tender. And we wouldn't want for the world to do to a person. We don't like anything so nice as to call him. Or even... To call her, don't you know? His questioner had quickly looked as if he knew. Something pleasant and vulgar. Mitchy's gaiety deepened. That discrimination's our only austerity. You must fall in. Then what will you call me? What can we? After which, sustainingly, I'm Mitchie, our friend stated. His interlocutor looked slightly queer. I don't think I can begin. I'm Mr. Longdon. He almost blushed to articulate. That's the end of the readings from this chapter. I hope you've been enjoying Readings from the Awkward Age by Henry James. If you're still up for listening to some more please check out some of the other episodes. Hopefully you're feeling a bit more rested. Thank you and good night.